0: Welcome to the Smut and Spice Podcast, where we're living vicariously through the female mind characters in reverse harems, dark romances, paranormal romances, and bully romances, where your hosts, Sam
1: and Sarah is here today for spooky season.
0: <laughs> in today's episode, we are going to be discussing some books you can enjoy in honor of the Halloween season. Some of the books are spooky, some involve monsters, and some are just set around Halloween time, so there should be something to fit everyone's reading mood. We do have a trigger warning today. There are almost too many to list in this episode. (laughs) Uh, Major triggers are violence, sexual assault, dubcon, and necrophilia. Be warned, this episode may contain spoilers and explicit content that is inappropriate for those under 18. This show is not for children. So we are missing Ash today. Uh, She had to take some time off for herself, uh, but we're hoping that she'll be back to join us next week. But it's just going to be... Me and Sarah today for our spooky season Halloween special.
1: And it's freaking bats. I love Halloween. (laughs) And I am so excited to talk about all these books.
0: Sarah might be the biggest Halloween fan I know. She is. I feel like she's been prepping for Halloween since August.
1: Like, I can't. I was like one of those kids who did trick-or-treating like way too late in life And uh, I, like, can't wait to one day have, like, a haunted house in my front yard. I scare the crap out of my family. I've got a blow-up spider, human-sized skeletons in graveyards. I love Halloween.
0: Every time Sarah goes out to run errands, she sends new pictures to the group chat of more Halloween things that she's purchased.
1: Do I need this Halloween gnome? Yes. Yes, I do.
0: (laughs) I'm still surprised you didn't buy that, like, 15-foot skeleton that was on sale.
1: I was, and I will tell you, you do not understand how bad I want that freaking skeleton from Home Depot, and every time I've got, like, it's like a $300 skeleton, like, it's unnecessary, and where <laughs> am I going to put it the rest of the year? It's going to need to be, like, a skeleton for every season, because I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I want it. I'm going to find one.
0: <laughs> uh, so this week, we're going to do quick summaries of some books you might want to consider for a Halloween read during this spooky season. Uh, We have a lot to cover, so we're going to try and not go into a great amount of detail, but knowing Sarah and I, there's probably going to be a good amount of tangents happening here. All right. so the first book we are going to talk about is The Dare by Harley LaRue. Now I read The Dare because Sarah told me it was absolutely necessary for me to read it. Sarah, how did you find out about The Dare?
1: I think how most people find out about The Dare, you hear, oh, this is banned from Amazon. That piques your interest. And you're like, I got to read this if uh, Bezos is being an asshole about it. (laughs) Uh, And I think we all got it from Eden Books. It is available there if you're looking Mm -hmm. for where you can download it after this episode. The first time I read this book, I was out in public, like, by a pool. And that's fucked up. (laughs) Like, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the second time I read it, I was in the privacy of my own room, because this is a spicy read.
0: It's so spicy. It, it is a novella. It's just like a short, perfect Halloween read. It is um, set at a Halloween party, which is really what makes it, like, spookier. It's not really a scary story in and of itself. The overall concept is that our main character uh, was very popular in high school, and she was a huge asshole, and she attends a halloween party and runs into someone who she was attracted to in high school but who she like bullied the absolute shit out of and they get into a dare that like started as beer pong and then turns into like an ongoing dare that she has to do the entire rest of the night and it pretty much just involves her doing whatever the hell he tells her to do and she has so many opportunities to back out of it But she's obviously so into it that she is, like, full throttle the entire time.
1: She is hesitant at first. And, I mean, I would be, too. Uh, You know, this all kind of kicks off by him saying, I want you to lick my boot and kiss my, I think, kiss my boot for a minute. And then it goes from that to uh, you got to take your panties off to you've got to crawl on the floor. And it just (laughs) escalates... From there, And it's really, like, a twist of events of, hey, you bullied the shit out of me, and now I'm going to degrade the shit out of you, and you're going to like it. And I think it also kind of goes to show that uh, Manson kind of liked that Jess degraded her a little bit in high school and is kind of just turning the tables on her.
0: Yeah, I... Like, the biggest kink explored in this book is definitely a degradation kink. Uh, There is, like, some praise kink and some other... Like, spicier stuff, like, in there. I know there's knife play at one point. There's, uh... Spanking. Exhibitionism, spanking. There's there's a whole bunch of things thrown in there. But I would definitely say, like, the main focus kink is degradation.
1: Oh, yeah, and he edges her the entire party.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Uh, it's pretty much just purely smut. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of plot going on here. It's just a novella of smut.
1: And, and this just goes to show you what fictional men can do because I can't think of when I was 19 at a college party this ever happening <laughs> like it would have been done like after beer pong I would' have mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't think most 19 year olds even know what edging is uh, <laughs> and let alone taking their time like that I, I just uh You know me in college, Sam. This just was not happening for me, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Sarah and I were roommates in college. That's how we met. And (laughs) Sarah's wild phase in college has spurned so many stories that we have talked about (laughs) in our group chat. But yes, Sarah was not getting edged for an entire night in college. That wasn't happening. No,
1: I was just getting disappointment. That's what I was getting. (laughs)
0: uh when i finished reading the first thing sarah asked me was what did you think of the clown scene (laughs) so what did you think of the clown scene okay
1: so i feel like the first time i read it i was like yo this is a little bit out there second time i read it i'm a more experienced reader you know Uh, and i liked it and jess liked it she was totally into it because i think the first time i read it i was like i think this is a little bit much she didn't really go into it agreeing to it but then when I read it again she was definitely into it but like can you imagine like going down on a guy and then looking up and seeing a scary ass clown face
0: no that would not do it for me clowns are not it
1: but in this scene the one guy was getting a little too rough and Manson was like hey like you need to slow your roll and calm down and that was kind of the point part where I was just like He is really into her. Like, they do Mm -hmm. need this revenge, you know, with her. But I I do think that he was actually really into her. And exciting news is uh, I believe she's going to be extending this novella into a full-length novel. I'm not sure if it's going to be the same characters or if it's just Manson. um, But I'm excited.
0: I would like to see it go in, like, a reverse harem direction with all of Manson's friends and Jess.
1: And I really frickin' want a Manson POV.
0: Yes. That is something that this was missing is this was not dual POV, and I did really want to get inside his head.
1: I think it's hard with a novella to do that because it's so short, um, but that, it, you know, I think when she does expand to a full novel, she'll be able to get both sides because I really wanted to know what that creepy man was thinking. Mm-hmm. Really bad.
0: So if you need a short, entirely smut Halloween read, check out The Dare. It'll it'll do some things for you, I promise. All right. Next book, also by Harley LaRue. We love Harley here on this podcast. uh, Is her soul to take, oh, my gosh, the things that happen in this book. We love Leon.
1: Obsessed with Leon. Obsessed.
0: Uh, this is just the perfect spooky read. It, I mean, your main love interest is a demon. That right there, perfect.
1: Oh, a-, a bisexual demon.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's like set around this spooky town where there are these strange creatures in the woods, and there are all of these uh, strange happenings, including people turning up dead and our main character feels like she's being followed around and it just has a perfect spooky feeling around it, which is just absolutely perfection for this kind of year.
1: Yeah, and Ray, uh, who is the main female character, also wants to be a paranormal investigator, uh, which adds another spooky element to all of this. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do think she makes some stupid-ass decisions.
0: Oh, she's so fucking dumb. i'm Uh, gonna go
1: to this haunted ass fucking church and i don't know i picked up a book with some random latin in it and we're gonna see what happens i
0: every i i read it after uh sarah and ashley read it i was the last one to read it in the group chat and every single time i would text them be like ray is so fucking dumb but then she would also like say in the story like why am i doing this this is something that someone does when they're about to get murdered in a horror movie and i'm like yeah why are you doing this
1: and also like i would have sold my soul to leon the first time he asked
0: absolutely no no hesitation
1: i would have been like here you go daddy you you take this soul. I don't need it. All I need is you.
0: Uh so this is an ongoing series. The second book does come out next week, but it's um Her Soul to Take was a standalone romance between Ray and Leon. The next book continues this like the overall plot and storyline, but um it's gonna follow different characters. Uh who we were introduced to in the first book.
1: oh god there is this one scene spoil alert where he like fingers ray outside of a coffee shop and then Mm -hmm. just puts his fingers after he's done in his friend's mouth so i think we are in for an interesting time (laughs) uh and from what i've heard we might even get a glimpse of what leon and ray are up to uh which i'm really excited about i love when authors like interconnect their stories and characters come back and you see what's going on in their life
0: yeah I love that too I'm very excited to read I'm also just excited to see like what's going on with this story because I feel like as a plot it was very unique it wasn't something that you see a whole lot in terms of like her creating this old god and this cult that follows this old god and it's like It was she obviously put a lot of forethought into planning and outlining this book. And I'm very excited to see where she takes the series.
1: Yeah, I know like Ashley's least favorite part was the cult, but I actually really liked the cult. I liked that aspect of it um, because it didn't feel like QAnon. It just felt like Scientology-ish.
0: Yeah, I felt like it was a well-done cult. It wasn't like over the top like conspiracy theory it was like there was obvious motivation behind what they were doing and what they were doing while it was very obviously fictional made sense in terms of the character motivation
1: yeah and I really liked the creatures she created and the imagery that she put in her head um and I love that her cat loved Leon The cat was just like, hey, Leon, you're a demon, but, you know, we're going to be BFFs. And I love how Leon is kind of just like, God, I want to get away from this goth chick, but I'm kind of low-key obsessed with her, and I can't stay away.
0: Leon spends the whole time, like, hating being in this town, hating that he's trapped here, hating what he's being asked to do. And then the moment he has an opportunity to, like, escape and go away, he's like, but... Ray needs me, so I need to stay here. (laughs) And it's like, dude, you love her so much. He does. And
1: you know what else I really liked, which was different than a lot of, like, demon mythology that you see, is how Leon loves hell. How he cannot wait to go back to hell. Hell is way better than Earth is. And I feel like in most other stories, like for Supernatural, demons want to be on Earth. Like, they do not want to go back to hell. But Mm -hmm. he's like, this place sucks.
0: Yeah, he's like, I didn't ask to be here. I've been trapped here. This is bullshit. Leon has a forked tongue, which... Uh, he sure the does. Things, the things that Leon does with that tongue.
1: He is just so deliciously dominant uh, that it just takes the spicy scenes to a complete next level. It's kinky in like the best way. Uh, and when he pierces her nipples with cigarettes after sex playing in the background it was like so spicy but like so Ugh. cute at the same time I'm obsessed
0: Oh God in the primal play in the cemetery
1: you know I love that shit
0: <laughs> Sarah's Sarah's favorite thing is primal play well not her absolute favorite but it's one of her favorites
1: it I I, I just I'm into it like I've never been chased anywhere but I like reading about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, Just overall, such a good spooky read. I'm so excited for the next one to come out. The next one comes out on Halloween, right?
1: I think it comes out the day before Halloween. And honestly, I will probably be reading it the day it comes out. I think it comes out October 30th.
0: Perfect. So on Halloween, that's what I'll be reading. Excellent. Spooky vibes. All right. Next up, we have Run and Hide by Beatrix Hollow. I... This is the first book in an ongoing series. I'm very excited for the next book. I felt like this was full of such twists and turns. I didn't know what was gonna happen next. It really felt like anything could happen in this series and I would be like, okay, that checks out. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, and it, it it's a pretty slow start for a Reverse Harem, but it felt like the timing was perfect for the storytelling. You know you have to wait for some action and uh she does give the warning ahead like hey you might not be introduced to everyone in the harem in this first book but i feel like that gives us more into each of these individual relationships that we're going to be learning about um and ashley who's not here she was the one that was like you guys need to read this right Mm -hmm. now and so i'm really glad she was like
0: read it (laughs) Yeah, because it was amazing, which, I mean, is to be expected because we love Beatrix Hollow. Uh, but as a quick summary, Run and Hide follows our main character, Ava, as she deals with the reality that she is a magnet for all things supernatural. She's trying to separate herself from her family and uh, like forge her own path and move away from this destiny that her mother's been telling her about her entire life. And the book really starts off introducing us to her ex-stepbrother, Caspian, and it really starts off with, like, a crazy scene where she's at his concert, and this girl, like, pulls out a gun and kills herself at the concert, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening in this book?
1: Yeah, and, and the- then then they're at a haunted house right after that. Yeah.
0: And she's having, like, ghost experiences in the haunted house, and then they go on a camping trip, and it's like, there there's so much whiplash happening in, like, the first few chapters of this book.
1: Yeah, and, you know, her whole camping adventure is so sketchy, right? She basically gets hired by this camp gear uh, company to travel the United States, go to different campsites, and take uh, photographs of their camping supplies. And at mm-hmm. first she was going to go alone, which fuck no. Y- Absolutely you can't, not. You can't even go get me to go camping with people, let alone alone. No. but I,
0: <laughs> Do you think the owner of that company is sketchy?
1: I 100% think he, he's sketchy because he specifically asked her about Mothman. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Her mom is also sketchy as hell
0: also true yes
1: but either Uh way Caspian is a huge rock star and the only reason he is a rock star is because he wanted to prove to Ava that he is uh, worthy of her and he's like hey band um I'm obsessed with Ava I'm going camping with her I quit and he's like hey (laughs) Ava I'm camping with you and she's like all right, more the merrier, and then we wind up with his old bandmates trying to get him to come back, and him and Ava camping together, and that is where the spookiness starts.
0: I I love that he was literally like, oh, Ava's here. Bye, bitches. I'm not a part of this band anymore. Like, his, he very much has, like, uh, golden retriever energy of, like, I, Ava is his only focus, his one thing in life that he cares about. Everything else can go fuck off. He, the minute he sees Ava, that's, like, anything he cares about.
1: So, first of all, Ava has, like, conflicting feelings, right? She's like, you were my stepbrother. This is kind of weird. But she's kind of always had a crush on him. And he has always known that Ava is his person. Um, he may have came in his pants the first time he saw her.
0: <laughs> that was such a funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> he just straight up collapses on the ground. Oh my God. Um, so Ava, <laughs> Ava is his mate. He is, how would you pronounce it? Noken? Knockin? I, I, I think knockin. Which is very similar to like a siren. Um, like which is why he's a singer. He has like a voice that draws people in. He has a very magnetic personality which makes people obsessed with him. And he is he is like a river monster, basically. Like he has to be in fresh water, uh, to like fully transform into his other form. Um, but he him being a knock in results in him having some very interestingly shaped male anatomy.
1: Yeah, and he produces a lot of man syrup, too. Don't fucking call it man <laughs> syrup, you weirdo. Look <laughs> like he had to push her stomach
0: in to make it all come out. Ashley said that he breached her cervix, which I guess is what happens. But I didn't like even put that together until she said something. But like his his dick like fucking pushes through her cervix, and he like shoots yeah. his load all the way up into her stomach.
1: Yeah. So it's like it's like breeding kink 2.0. Like it is. Uh huh. It and she she talks about like that was one of the hardest parts is like. It was painful for her, but, but, like, he's constantly telling her how good she's doing and, like, petting her hair. I was here for it, Caspian.
0: (laughs) It's fucking spear dick. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, and
1: he's, like, got, like, this is something, like, listen, I would do a lot, but, like, having sex in a dirty river, I would Mm -hmm. be, like, this is just straight up, like... UTI city man, you're out camping.
0: Here here's the thing. I am not an outdoorsy person in any sense of the word. I my husband and I have gone camping once in the entirety of our relationship, and after that I was like, that's it, no more. I'm done. I can't stand camping. I can't stand spending like any extra elongated time out in the wilderness. Her whole, like, life plan throughout this book sounds like my absolute nightmare.
1: 100%. Like, first of all, she was going to go by herself. Like, setting up a, a tent by yourself. Doing all... Oh, hell no. And it, we also need to talk about, like, so when she is camping, she feels like she's constantly being watched. Mm-hmm. She hears the, uh, what would you say, the ranger. They talk about this spooky story of the Mothman and how... Multiple people from the camp go, and this is in Virginia, by the way, so. Kind West of, Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. So, you know, we're, we're familiar with these vibes. Um, and in the middle of the night, she hears, like, what would you say? Would you say it was like chirping noise, like really weird noises. She feels like she's being chased and followed.
0: Mm-hmm. It was like a buzzing noise. That's how she described it. Like, it was like an overwhelming buzzing noise in her head
1: Mm mm-hmm so after she realizes and 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 she realizes Caspian's not human she kind of freaks the heck out Mm -hmm. and runs away she doesn't want anything to do with monsters even though everyone in her life has told her that it's inevitable and that is really when shit starts to get dark in this book yeah people start dying scary shit starts happening And we meet Mothman, who I am obsessed with.
0: I fucking love Mothman. I couldn't really get, like, a good handle on his description, though. Which I think more has to do with how I read books and how I just automatically gloss over any character description. Like, I feel like Ash and I are complete opposites. Where, like, Ash is, like, very into how characters are described. And in my brain, I'm like, skip over all the character description, go right to the dialogue and action.
1: (laughs) So, for Mothman, for me i kind of took um do you know what rorschach looks like uh from that one movie um crap i can't even think of the movie but he's basically got like trench coat leather but the way he's described he's kind of like a smoky character like you can't really see his features Mm -hmm. uh until you get close and she describes that he he has fur Basically, and he doesn't. She say
0: that it's like black fur.
1: Yeah, like completely black fur, and he does have wings. Um, I'm not sure exactly what all Mothman's powers are because we really see more of that from Caspian. Uh, Because Mothman carries a gun, like, uh, Mm -hmm. but
0: Mothman is old as fuck. He is, and it also seems as though he isn't able to speak out loud. Uh, They talk about the fact that he doesn't have a mouth. Um, he can talk
1: through his mind to you, yes. but apparently to human ears, that is not pleasant. So he has a journal and, uh, he likes to draw
0: <laughs> So sexually actually- explicit drawings. <laughs> there's actually a lot of really funny parts of the Mothman, especially with Mothman and Caspian, because Caspian is like immediately like, fuck off, dude, she's mine. So there's so many moments where mothman is like intentionally speaking into caspian's mind telling him to like fuck off and then Caspian he shows Cassian his journal and Cassian's flipping through it seeing all these sexually explicit drawings that mothman has drawn of him and ava and then At one point, him and Ava, like, actually have a sexual interaction. And Ava is under the impression that he's, like, this innocent being who doesn't know, like, what he's doing. And then Caspian's like, no, fucking no. Look at all these drawings that he's done of you.
1: (laughs) And listen, from what she described, from what Mothman was doing with his little sucker thingy,
0: it sounded pleasant. (laughs) It did. It did. It i i'm gonna say i'm very excited to see where this goes it really seems as though we're gonna have a very interesting harem just based off of the two that have already been introduced and it i like that she's kind of uh encapsulating all these different types of cryptids and that ghosts are involved and there's just kind of like all manner of spooky things all being involved
1: how many how many harem members do you think we're gonna have by the end of this thing
0: uh, I mean, the other Beatrix Hollow book that we've read, it was a pretty small harem, which is, th- there was just three in that harem. So I would, I feel like she probably keeps her harems pretty small. So I would say probably like four is yeah, my guess.
1: That's what I was thinking. And uh, it looks like we're going to get a variety of monster peens, uh, more so than we already have. And... I'm just really excited to see where this series goes and I need to know what the fuck the significance of the splinter is Beatrix Mm -hmm. if you just want to message us and tell us what the (laughs) splinter means because I have so many theories
0: we that's like been the focus of our group chat when we're talking about books like doing all of our future theories for run and hide like this book really captured our interest I loved it All right, speaking of Beatrix Hollow's other book that we've read, Cute But Psycho. This, another one that Ashley asked us to read. No, this was uh, was all me. This
1: was all me. Was it you? We can roll the tapes on the Smut and Spice podcast where I was like, you guys need to read this book.
0: Never mind. That was (laughs) me misremembering. I apologize, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you better recognize.
0: It is a dark paranormal reverse harem that takes place in an asylum for paranormal beings. And this book had so many goddamn twists and turns in it. I feel like that's just kind of Beatrix Hollow's writing style, though, where it's like she starts you off in one way. And then, like, by the time you're halfway through the book, you're like, this book did not go as I expected from the beginning.
1: It did not. And I have to give her credit because I absolutely hate... When you read a book and a character has to explain how crazy they are, right? You're just like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, stop talking about yourself that way. These characters are straight up crazy and the way that they think is how they show you how nuts they are. They don't have to say, hey, I'm crazy. None of them think they're crazy. (laughs) They just show you how crazy they are in the way that they think.
0: Yeah, this is a multi-POV. So is um, Run and Hide as well. Both of the Beatrix Hollow Books we talked about are multi-POV. And Her Soul to Take was also a dual POV. You get Leon's POV in that too. So, so far the only book that we talked about that was only one POV was The Dare. Uh, We're a big fan of multi-POV books on this podcast. We love them. We do. Uh, so, Cupid Psycho focuses on Brie, who is our main character. And in the beginning, she's falling in love with her therapist, Orson. And we really get the idea and understanding that Brie is insane. She's absolutely crazy. But then, as she's like full on stalking her therapist, you find out that her therapist is a vampire serial killer who is also completely insane. And it's just like, oh, Everyone in this book is fucking crazy.
1: Ser- I, and I love how crazy Bree is. I feel like we don't get enough books where the female main character is the one out of her mind. And she is just so obsessed with Orson. Like, the first thing she sees when she sees these bloody bodies hanging from hooks is like, you know, there must be a serious reason for this. And I kind of want to lick this blood, <laughs> you know. He's my little sweet baby angel, and I love him no matter what. We need to be together. And she's constantly, like, back and forth, plotting ways to make him fall in love for with her mm-hmm. and also to get her revenge at the same time.
0: <laughs> she, because then Orson traps her in the asylum, which is fucked, but he... Basically, he wants to keep Brie for himself because of the type of supernatural being that Brie is. She's very rare and he wants to use her. Um, So he decides to keep her trapped in the asylum and like use her whenever he sees fit. But this doesn't really go to plan (laughs) because uh, Orson starts to become very dependent on Brie and Brie starts to use that to her advantage of she starts to control and manipulate him the way that he was controlling and manipulating her. And while she's doing that, she's also gathering the other two members of her harem, Baz and Nemo. Sarah, tell us about Baz and Nemo, because I know they were your absolute favorite.
1: I also need to talk about the fact that Orson goes down during Aunt Flo in this book. I forgot about that moment until (laughs) just now. Uh, But yeah, that's what this vampire does in this book. Orson was my least favorite member of the harem because I felt like he was kind of just like an ungrateful brat a lot of the time when Mm -hmm. Bree just wanted to love him. But Baz was my absolute favorite. He's a basilisk. Is that how you say it?
0: Basilisk. Uh
1: Uh-huh. So he basically produces a venom and cannot touch anyone. And then you have Nemo, who is a shifter, who has... uh, interesting peen with a Mm -hmm. knot that vibrates and he has lived in the asylum his entire life and they have done so many experiments on him and baz and nemo have such an interesting dynamic they have such a deep history that doesn't involve brie but brie comes in and is kind of like well you're both mine uh the scenes with her and baz where they can't touch but do stuff
0: together it's oh just so God. hot. It's like edging, but better.
1: It's like so much tension and like, uh, oh, Baz keeps dead people in his closet and under his bed. <laughs> I because, forgot about
0: that till just now.
1: <laughs> because uh, he can't touch human. It's actually really sad because he can't touch any living person. And that is the only way that he can have, you know, some human connection, which everyone needs. Everyone needs touch. Um, So that's the only way that he gets that for now.
0: Yeah, so one of the reasons why uh, Baz and Nemo have such history is because they have both been in the asylum since they were children. Nemo was there first, but then Baz checked himself in and they became really close friends. But then at one point they kissed and there's like a lot of history there where they both have a lot of resentment towards each other. But in addition to the resentment, Nemo, as part of the experiments that this awful doctor has been running on him, he's been being injected with Baz's venom. So Nemo is one of the only people that Baz is able to touch without instantly killing him, which creates like a whole other level of complexity of Baz feeling like attached to him because he's able to provide him with that physical touch.
1: Nemo chokes out Baz so many times. Like, they get into an altercation, Nemo chokes him, uh, Baz uses right, the, just the right amount of venom to knock him out, and it happens all of the time.
0: Uh-huh. It's like their thing.
1: <laughs> and, oh, I totally forgot about the scenes, so i forget what brie does to orson or the main doctor but they lock her down in the basement with nemo and inject him with like something that makes him super horny and my god and he is just like chasing her in the basement oh my that was (laughs) a primal
0: play that sarah loves
1: it, that was like there are other scenes that happen in that basement. but the main scene we need to talk about <laughs> was so dirty but so freaking this book had me laughing so much. but there's just this okay, we we totally forgot about Baz's mask situation.
0: Oh yeah, so Baz wears a mask because obviously he's trying to protect everyone around. The asylum from being able to like accidentally touch him. So, all of Baz's skin is covered at all times when he's out of his room. And that includes like he has like a full closet filled with different masks that he wears.
1: I can't remember what mask he was wearing in this scene, but I feel like it was like some demented clown mask.
0: He does have one of those.
1: <laughs> and he is like. <laughs> Fucking Nemo, and then Brie is on the bed touching herself, and it's all in, like, Baz's POV, and he's like, this probably looks so messed up right now, but it looks like Brie is into it, so we're gonna keep going. (laughs) That was the other part, is, like, Nemo is this massive shifter, alpha, and... He doesn't want to give that control up to Baz because Baz is so strong. So the fact that Baz dominates him, it, it, was, it was just too much for my soul.
0: Yeah, there was a lot at play there with their relationship. I honestly think Baz and Nemo had the most complicated relationship in the entire book. Which is interesting because usually in reverse harems, the most complicated relationship is between the female main character and one of the harem members. But that was not the case here. No, and
1: you actually get a full-on MM scene where Brie is not involved at all.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I I feel like Cupid Psycho is such a good Halloween read because, like, you get, like, the spooky paranormal asylum vibes, but then you also get, like, the humor that Brie and Baz really bring into the situation because they are both so aware of how strange their situation is, and they add such great commentary in when you're reading their POVs.
1: Yes, and I believe I saw on Beatrix's page that she is planning another installment of this series with a different harem, and it looks like someone is out for revenge against this harem, so I am really excited to see that. I I can't... I, I don't think it was... Can't It's something but psycho. I can't remember what the first word was.
0: I did see that, wasn't it? It looks like it's going to be Baz's sister who is going to be the female main character in that book.
1: Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so more to look forward to from Beatrix Hollow. She is just putting quality out there for us. Thank you, Beatrix. All right. On, (laughs) On to this nightmare. Sarah made me read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next book on our list is without a doubt, the darkest book I've ever read. Um, It's called The Skeleton King by Charity B. It is a dark romance nightmare before Christmas retelling. And it is so, 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 so dark. I cannot emphasize enough how dark it is. It is there were times when I was physically nauseous reading this book and I had to like put it down and (laughs) focus on something else because it was, I have never reacted so strongly to a book before.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's dark for a lot of different reasons. And I feel like usually in a dark romance, you know, you have dark themes um, and a lot of violence, but this kind of goes beyond that. Like, Things you wouldn't even think of in your normal and and I think the thing that makes it the darkest is that it is contemporary. These are humans. These aren't. Oh yeah. You know, uh, monsters or any. These are humans doing these things, and I think that's what makes it so extremely dark.
0: It when i was like writing the genre down in the outline like my brain went okay paranormal dark romance and then i thought about it for a second and i was like no this wasn't paranormal this was <laughs> this was just a contemporary romance it felt like it should be paranormal just because of how strange it was
1: for sure so it's this hollows grove community which separates them from the rest of normal human society and it's basically a place where you can do really messed up things um you know you see a lot of residents who deal in sex trafficking uh illegal things and you know i guess also these a lot of these people believe in kind of like i want to say like tarot card like like different kinds of beliefs
0: mm-hmm it so this takes place in like the 70s would you say it
1: was the 90s i think uh i don't they talk, think it
0: was the 90s it, it definitely
1: it? is because they talk about river phoenix dying on the radio uh so i think oh. it was like 1993 i think is when it was set
0: oh okay never mind i had it like in my brain that it was further back than that um but it yeah, it and he has a comu- he has a computer. Remember, this is kind of like the start That's of computers. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. You're right. So it takes place in the early '90s, and it there's just this idea in Hollows Grove or Hollow Grove, whichever it is, of the fact that they don't follow like regular laws. They they have their own set of rules and laws that govern their community that are all based around the idea of like you can't judge anyone else for what they decide to do. So, like, the people who are invited into Hollow Grove all have, like, very particular tastes and, like, certain things that they enjoy doing that would normally, like, set them apart and make them ostracized or, like, get them in legal trouble in a regular community. So, John, our main character, joins this community because of the fact that he enjoys having sex with corpses John is a necrophiliac
1: this is said in the first 20 pages in the first <laughs> 20 pages you learn that he is a necrophiliac and there is also a rape scene within the first 20 pages of the book um, and throughout the story you learn about how John became this way the story of how he first had sex sex with a corpse was disturbing um and his childhood as a whole was absolutely horrific uh his mother is uh, the worst kind of religious nut that you can imagine um and he has never been with a living breathing woman before
0: and that really comes up so the other character that we get the pov from is sarah And And it really
1: fucked me up that that was her name.
0: (laughs) Uh, Sarah was kidnapped as a child, and she was kidnapped by Dr. Fink. And he has really abused her in every conceivable way, and she is so fucked up, and her life is so awful. But Sarah is completely in love with John. And John loves Sarah, too, but he has it in his brain that he can't do anything about the way that Sarah is treated because then that would go against the laws of the community and he thinks that like Hollow Grove is everything so he's just kind of trapped in this holding pattern where he just sees Sarah whenever he's able to and they wave at each other and they keep distance from each other and nothing really progresses until the night of Halloween.
1: Like when we say Sarah's life is trash, it, it, like, it, so many unfathomable things happen to her. She is raped constantly by Fink and his assistant. And,. Uh, The worst part of what happens to Sarah are the experiments that Fink run on her. He basically cuts off her limbs uh, and then sews them back on. Uh, So her body body is riddled with scars um, from the experiments he has run on her. And it really only gets worse for her for a a minute there, too.
0: Poor Sarah. It's really, like, the limb cutting and, like, the surgeries is what really made me so nauseous. Like, even thinking about it now and, like, the scene where it is so explicitly described in the book, it really had me, like, I feel like I am going to vomit because this is so absolutely disgusting and awful. It
1: it really is. And this guy, Fink, who is holding her, his mindset is just so deranged Uh, And you can tell that it's just messed up Sarah's view of herself and what the point of her life is. And then you also have John, who is so messed up from his mother and his childhood that he thinks that, like, he's not lovable. And that if someone were with him, they would think that he's disgusting. Um, But... After he has this encounter with Sarah, he is, like, completely obsessed and starts to find ways to make his corpses warm and to look like Sarah.
0: Yeah, and he has this whole thing where he's, like, gonna send her away for her own good and because she's just gonna leave him anyway. And it, it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, you... You don't get to make that decision for her, first of all. But second of all, you're just, like, shooting yourself in the foot. Um, But eventually the story progresses to where John and Sarah are able to, like, end up together. But it's just, like, after everything, it doesn't really feel as though, like, you get as much of a happy ending as you wanted to. Because it's like, how can Sarah really be happy after the (laughs) life that she's had up to this point?
1: And don't forget the other, like... So, basically, Fink kidnapped Sarah because his daughter was, I think, murdered or killed in a car accident and he wanted to replace his daughter. And Sarah no longer was listening to him and he was like, I need to start over. So, he sells her to, like, the worst man in the community. And he is very big into sex trafficking and he has triplets, who they call the sanity eaters, and Which is those is such
0: a great name for children.
1: It really is. And those kids scare the shit out of me. And what he does to Sarah is just beyond. Ugh. So, should I go into detail what he does?
0: No, I wouldn't. <laughs>
1: okay. But let's just say it gets worse than limb cutting and everything else that she's been through and it takes John all of this time to finally do something about it. I get that, like, the whole point of Hollow's Grove is you can be depraved as possible, but it just kind of sucks that there were no rules in place to protect a lot of the citizens that live there. Um, But, you know, I I can't say I enjoyed this book or didn't enjoy it because it is just so fucked up and dark. It just needs Mm -hmm. to be the kind of read you're looking for. I'm not going to shit on this book because of the dark you know, aspects of it. The author tells you that before you go in and that's why we're telling you, you know, this is extremely, extremely, extremely dark.
0: Yeah. It's it's gotta be something that you're either in it or you're not. Like don't don't start reading the book and then leave it a one star review after twenty pages. Like you've been mourned.
1: (laughs) Right. I, I can't stand when people do that. Just like it Within the first 20 pages, you will mostly know if this is something that you can stomach. Uh, but, like, it kind of does get worse. Just a forewarning. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So after you read Skeleton King and you're all fucked in the head over it, you're going to need a super cute rom-com to pick up your brain. And that is The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling, which is absolutely adorable. Uh, the X-Hex follows our main characters, Vivian and Reese as they deal with the fallout of their previous relationship nine years prior when Reese has to return to the small Georgia town in which Vivian lives in order to recharge the ley lines. So both Vivian and Reese are witches. Um, They were in a teenage love, like, summer fling kind of relationship, and Reese was super shitty at the end of it, and it ended with Vivian accidentally cursing him. So they're dealing with all of the fallout from that. And it is just so cute. It's your absolute like comedy of errors, adorable romantic comedy. And it's just a nice lighthearted Halloween read.
1: It is. And it's such a cute second chance. You can tell these characters were meant to be together. And even though they were 19 when they had their first relationship, they still are so drawn to each other after all of this time. I I loved both of these characters. It is a multi uh, point of view, um, mm-hmm. and I think really the biggest thing is is we were greedy girls and we wanted more.
0: Yes, we. I ended. I was the first one to read uh, the book. Then Sarah read it after me, and the first thing I did was send a screen capture of when there's a certain point in the book when. <laughs> one of the characters, cats, gains the ability to talk and it's the funniest shit I've ever read. But then when I was done, I texted Sarah and said, like, like, I wanted more. I wanted more of the happy ending. I wanted more of like someone telling Reese's dad to shove it up his ass. Like I want I wanted more from these characters. I felt like it ended too abruptly.
1: I agree. I just wanted more Happy ending. Like, it, it definitely has a happy ending, but I wanted to see them in a relationship together for a little bit more. Like, please just give a girl an epilogue or something. Like, and I think, you know, <laughs> Sam and I are dirty and we wanted more details. You know, uh,
0: I, Reese is from Wales. He's a Welsh man. And goddamn if I do not need some Gaelic dirty talk in my life. Like, give me, give me some of that, please.
1: He, he would have been such a dirty talker in bed. I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent fade to black, but it's still only like half a chili pepper.
0: Yeah, I. It wasn't super spicy. I wouldn't even say it was yeah, like I wouldn't even say moderately spicy.
1: No, I. God, I just wanted the details so bad. They were so attracted to each other. Like, mm-hmm. I. I really loved the. Um, So, basically, what happened is when Reese went to recharge the ley lines, shit just went south in the town. Things just started going crazy. There were these Mm -hmm. plastic skulls that were clacking around. (laughs) That was such
0: a good visual.
1: (laughs) Cats can talk. And then the biggest scene was this witchy ghost who was now has now come back to haunt the library of the college she works at and i really loved that storyline within it of we need to figure out what this ghost knows and Mm -hmm. we got to go to this spooky haunted house oh when they were in that closet together and there was so much
0: tension Ugh, i love a good stuck in a closet while there are people outside scene. love it uh, the cat just yelling for treats repeatedly was just making my treats, life, Treats, treats,
1: treats. But the cat did learn other words. It learned mama, Vivi, and dick bag. <laughs> and I loved her cousin.
0: Yes, her cousin was one of my favorite. Her cousin and her aunt were both so wonderful.
1: They were done really well. This is just so cute, so sweet. Like,
0: this gives you, like... Hocus Pocus Halloween Town happy vibes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It's a, it's the perfect Halloween read when you need something to pick up your mood, which yeah. is exactly what we needed when we were done with Skeleton King.
1: I had to read like 5 sports romances after Skeleton King.
0: <laughs> All right, and the last book we're covering in the episode today is A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by friend of the show Katherine Moon. I cannot even... I was the first one to read this book in the group chat, Go Me. And it is probably my favorite monster romance ever. It's a reverse harem. I, It's just typical Catherine Moon, like fantastic smut, great characters who you love, super sweet relationships. It's just everything you need.
1: I think we all said we volunteer as tribute I will go into prostitution for monsters.
0: <laughs> we will work at Rooksgrave Manor. Uh, so our story follows Esther, and she finds her way to Rooksgrave Manor, which is a house of ladies who service monsters. And I just love that Catherine focused our story around a sex worker. And it's a sex worker who's represented positively, who is owns her sexuality who loves what she does and it's just so wonderful to see this kind of representation
1: absolutely and she gets told multiple times like you are probably the best there has ever been like this job was made for you and she loves what she does she's open to pretty much everything like anything new she's just super excited for it and you do get from her pov like some of the other girls in Rook's grave don't feel the same way, um, which kind of makes you feel bad. Like, why are you doing this? Some of them don't treat their monsters uh, with respect the way that they should.
0: Mm-hmm. So we there are so many good smut scenes in this book. The, th- the ones that stand out to me are one when Esther is having sex with Ezra for the first time and Ezra is an invisible man. And having the idea of just fucking an invisible guy is just, I don't know why that just speaks to me. (laughs) But then the other scene that really sticks out in my mind is when they're in the theater. Do you want to talk about the theater scene, Sarah?
1: Yes. So they take her away to London and it's kind of this underground society of monsters. And just the thought of monsters being accepted by human women is like... Everything that a monster wants. It's like their biggest dream. So it's basically a show that they watch uh, of different monsters fucking humans. And oh, Sam, what is the name of the tentacle guy? Do you remember?
0: No, I don't. But it's like they roll this big tank onto the stage and it's filled with this tentacle monster. And there's a whole bunch of girls that are like running around the outside of the tank. And, like, tentacles just keep coming out and grabbing girls. And it's, like, holy shit. And they're, like, "Uh, we cannot take her to Japan because she's going to get taken
1: by this tentacle monster. She looks way too interested. And she was so into watching the show. And they're, like, Esther, like, do you want to be on stage? And she's, like, fuck yeah, I do. And um, the monster... The, what, is, what is the doctor's name oh
0: fucking christ i um. know
1: so it's kind of like a do, uh, dr jackal doctor dr hyde type thing so he is a human in one form and then this other personality takes over and it is he's an ugly ass monster from how he's described he is ugly as hell mm-hmm. and he just turns into that monster on stage, and him being so hideous and ugly, and Esther being so beautiful and completely into it, everyone is totally into watching. Esther, Esther, our girl's just a freak, man. She loves it. She's just letting her freak flag fly, and she treats all of her monsters with, like, such love and respect.
0: Oh, but then the, you missed when the doctor was using, like, the... Oh, electrodes, right? The electro like, it was like an electrical stimulation machine on stage. Oh, my God. That <laughs> the, the theater scene lives rent-free. Yes. I I cannot recommend this book enough. It's so good. You get so many different monster peens, so much variety in monsters. There's vampires. There's a sphinx. There's an invisible man. There's a golem. We have, like, our... Doctor who turns into another monster, like Sarah was saying, like the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of character. There's so much variety. And Catherine is planning a second book in this series that's not from Esther's point of view. The second book she's planning is going to be from the point of view of one of the women who work in the theater. So we're very excited for that. I'm pumped for it.
1: We are. And I am such an August simp. I Mm. He... Like, where is my rich vampire to come and spoil me? And I also like how expensive the membership is for Rook's Grave. Like, mm-hmm. these monsters have to pay a hefty fee to be a part of the group. They spoil the crap out of their lady. And you only get a specific lady. Each lady has her designated monsters and vice versa. And I like that they're like, hey, this is the arrangement for now, but you can we want to do whatever you want to do so you do have girls who go and leave and leave and be with the monsters you have girls who decide to leave leave that life and go do something else um but yeah she basically gets paid to do this and then they spoil her on top of it
0: yeah it's it's great it's ideal seriously who, who doesn't want to get spoiled by a harem yeah. of monsters and
1: like she doesn't have like any side jobs she has to do at rook's grave either like she's not cleaning or cooking Mm-mm. that's all taken care of there's like monster orgy wednesdays like <laughs> living the best life <sighs>
0: So, yeah, those were our suggestions for some good Halloween reads for our special today. As a review, we would like any any feedback you have about our suggestions. But we have The Dare by Harley LaRue, Her Soul to Take by Harley LaRue, Run and Hide by Beatrix Hollow, Cute But Psycho, also by Beatrix Hollow, uh, The Skeleton King by Charity B, The X hex by Aaron Sterling, and A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by Catherine Moon. I feel like we have a really strong variety here. I am very much a mood reader. So whatever mood you're in, whether it be like a sweet mood, dark, spooky, fun, I feel like we kind of covered everything with this list. So make sure to tell us how we did with our suggestions. We'd love to hear your feedback.
1: Yeah, and I honestly can recommend every single one of these books for Spooky Season. I rated them all five stars except for Skeleton King because I'm not sure how you rate a book like that, (laughs) Um, but you know, if you're going for really, really dark vibes this Halloween, uh, that's a book for you. I think there's something in this lineup for everybody, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy the reads.
0: I completely agree. So let's jump into what we're reading this week. So we had our reading retreat last weekend to the beach, which was so wonderful. Um, And I got a lot of reading done over the last two weeks. I finished reading the Evelyn Maynard trilogy, which I really enjoyed. Um, I also read Your Dad Will Do by Katie Robert, which was just A plus smut. Fantastic. I read The Skeleton King and the x Hex for this episode, as well as Run and Hide. I also read Bat... Bad Habit, which was a cute romance break by Charlie Rose Uh, and I also read Lords of Mercy on our reading retreat because you know Ash and I will be doing an episode about that book and then finally I received an arc of Silver Bullet by Colette Rhodes, which was so good, A+. I cannot wait for you guys to all read it next week it was absolutely amazing
1: so this week has been a bones week for me and Ashley uh our omega verse reverse harem released this friday uh vera and the vegas five it is doing way better than we could have ever imagined when we started this journey of this idea of writing a book together we had no idea that so many people would be interested in reading what we had to write um it is available on kindle unlimited uh and or ebook download on amazon You can add us on Facebook. We have some other projects in the work. Uh, It is Blue and Bennett's book Besties. Uh, You can also follow me on TikTok. I am kind of funny sometimes. Uh, That is (laughs) at Sarah Smut. Other than starting some more writing for future projects, I had some great reads this week. I have been on a very taboo kick. I read Act Your Age by Eve Dangerfield holy (laughs) taboo dirty oh my gosh he saw me first by m johnson and seducing my guardian by katie robert i think we can all see a theme there don't judge me um i think i need to step outside the daddy game and read a sports romance this week
0: (laughs) oh my gosh Every time Sarah's like, I need a brain break, she just goes to sports romances.
1: I love it. I, we need to do a sports romance episode because I have read so many lately. They're just so feel good, cutesy, like, and who doesn't love like a huge athletic man? I, just, I, I love me a good sports romance.
0: You know that'll just be you and I because Ashley has no interest in sports romances.
1: I know, I and I've got a lot. I've got a lot to recommend in like every. We need to find like a tennis one because I haven't seen any of those. Mm. <laughs> um, but like I've got a good football, basketball, baseball. Oh, so many hockey.
0: So many hockey. We
1: are hockey girls here. Hell yeah. Go caps.
0: Go caps. Tom Wilson Bay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, so next week we're going to be, well, the episode will come out on Halloween. So Ash and I will be recording a monster romance episode where we're going to dive into some of the monster romances that we didn't recommend this week. So very excited about that. We're sad Ashley couldn't join us today, but I know we'll see her next week. And I am just so excited for the pinnacle of spooky season Halloween next weekend. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Smut and Spice. Please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Next week we will be discussing all of our favorite monster books in honor of the Halloween weekend. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Smut and Spice Pod. We'd love it if you would share our podcast with friends and on social media. If you have any book recommendations, send them our way. And if you're an author who's interested in appearing on an episode, reach out. We would love to have you. A special thanks to our technical producer, Andrew, and to our graphic designer, Lainey, for our amazing logo. The intro and outro music featured on Smut and Spice is District 4 by Kevin MacLeod. The link and licensing information can be found in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening.